0: So the story I'm about to read is called Otherworld, and it is a short story that took me several years to write. Um, I used to work on it on my lunch breaks in a Starbucks, and I typically hate Starbucks, but it was the only place around, and it was close to my job. Um, And yeah, I worked diligently on it, and I was not getting anywhere, and one day I sort of scrapped what I was working on, started a whole new tone of voice, wrote the story anew, forgot about it, came back to it like a year or two later, read it, saw that it was awesome, and tried to publish it, and so Otherworld got published um, in Inkwell uh, Journal, which is from the Manhattanville College and it was published in March, 2020. So this is it, Otherworld by Jana Rose. I met you when I was too young to know about what a man could do to a woman, the difference between love and sex. You took me into your studio and pretended you needed a secretary, not a model. I worked for you in pencil skirts, short heels, neat collared shirts i'd ironed the night before i wore scarves of turquoise and apricot that first day when you held out your hand to mine asked me if i'd like a glass of water did you know it all then did you have it planned were you looking for a muse this is what i do now after you i take the travel paths into the city It took me a long time to get used to the sharp metal hoods that protect us from the burns. We're all like rats now, crawling underground. The government never allows us to let our faces see the sun. I sit in dark restaurants with artificial light, ordering rum and Cokes. When a man offers to buy me a drink, I turn him down, thinking of you. Thinking of what we used to drink in your studio after one of your sessions. A strange mix of Campari and vermouth you devised the other world drink you said I was too young then to know that you had basically stolen me made it so that no one else would ever match you you had stared at me for such a long time sketched every curve made my lips plump and ripe as a melon in your drawings when i came over to see a draft you seemed shy It was the only time I'd seen you doubtful about yourself. And then you'd lead me to the bedroom, peel off the same red robe all the other models had worn, lay me on your bed, kiss me from ankle to neck. There was something about my skin, you said. Something about my youth. By that time, my every pore had blossomed like a flower, puckered in order to greet you, to take you inside me. I let out girlish, high-pitched moans. I wanted you every time. I could never have said no. I wanted you so far within me that you could live there, only your arms outside to hold me while I slept. They called you a genius, but I had no idea who you were, just the artist who had hired me as an assistant three days a week, who one day complained he lost a model. Could I help? I hadn't even seen your installations before then. I hadn't even tried. After I left your studio those evenings, I went back to my mother. Did you ever think to ask? Did you ever want to know? She was fragile and graying in her bed, her only company, a few books of poetry. When she got desperate, she read nursery rhymes and then even fairy tales. It was odd seeing a grown woman with the burns sitting up in bed, reading a book with a cartoonish picture of Sleeping Beauty on the cover. didn't make sense that soon she would leave me, that already she needed help to the bathroom. At times was so weak I had to feed her. I never told you any of this, but on the nights I stayed late to have sex with you, she fell asleep in her bed with her bedside lamp on, hungry, without dinner, That there was no one to care for her while I was at your studio. That there were old pastels hanging in our house, paintings of houses and trees and shrubbery she had made when she was in college. She had wanted to be a painter. Instead, the man who seduced and got her pregnant left her alone, escaping somewhere. To California, she said. She hadn't known his last name or his address. I was her reward. Where did you get the idea for Otherworld? I never asked. Although later it seemed so obvious, not magical or inventive at all. The sun had reached its peak. Most people couldn't go out anymore without protective clothing. The beaches closed down. Big black fences went up to keep people out. Police and guards ushered people out of state parks. People built additions on their houses, tried to find ways to be outside without being in the sun. Kids stopped walking to school and stayed home to learn. Most of our world was online, in the vision fields. And then there you came, the savior, the artist, using vast enclosed spaces to create a fake ocean, little drops of water landing on the palms of voyeurs' hands, the sound of crickets chirping at night breeze wafting through the factory room or a gallery that had commissioned you to show your work it was like childhood everyone said it was like another world but it was just our world from years ago before the burns you would found a way to make people happy again to inspire them even i think at times to have hope i never wanted to leave you i wanted to live in that world I wanted to be in that place, in the whisper of your imagination, forever. Anya, my mother said, one Saturday night after I'd fed her applesauce and some other kind of mush that men had delivered earlier that day, it's not going to be much longer. She had spoken so little that week. had needed so much more rest. When I came home from your studio, she was in a restless sleep and didn't want to eat dinner. I always told her how busy we were, how much you needed me. I don't think she ever suspected that I spent the last two hours of my workday under your spotlight, then in your bed. How do you know, I asked her. People took a long time to die from the burns. For her, it had been six years, but I knew people could live up to ten as long as they had help. I feel something coming through the air at me, something breaking down a wall. She reached her hands up as she said this, into the empty space before me. She was hallucinating, I figured, and that seemed as sure a sign as any that things were coming to a close. I didn't think I'd mourn too much when she was gone. She had been so much to work with, such a heavy weight. I had lived with the reality of her impending death for a long time. That night in her sleep, she passed. I slept in the chair, and when I woke up, I felt the difference in the room. I looked to her stomach and saw she was no longer breathing. I sat there for a while, looking at her hands by her sides, which were solid and limp and fleshy, so still and pale. She had used them so recently to open the pages of a book, to reach out into the air but now they lay there like pieces of furniture. It wasn't until a few hours later that I called the undertaker to come and get her. I spent the rest of that day in the chair inspecting every corner of the room, every crevice or design on the wallpaper she may have looked at on the day she waited for me to come home. I pulled the sheets off her bed and threw them into the trash. I tidied up, dusted, put loose books back in a neat stack on the shelf. I found glasses filled halfway with water, bowl and spoon left from my feeding her soup or applesauce. Her presence somehow lingered, even though it was no longer in her body. I could feel the stuffiness of the room, her thick breath in the air, the kind of musk that develops when the windows have been so long closed. On Monday, I dressed as usual, come to work. I didn't tell you anything was different and you didn't seem to notice after you sketched me legs spread tips of fingers reaching into my mouth one hand on my inner thigh you didn't take me to your bedroom you approached me slowly pulled me off the stool so i fell on hands and knees you kissed inside me let your tongue move in curly cues around my ass flick into my anus after that you fucked me that way You turned me over and draped my legs over your shoulders. You told me I was the sweetest cunt you ever had. I told you I never wanted to go home. For a whole week, I didn't. What do you think about now when you remember me? Or do you remember me at all? Have you had so many models in your studio, so many muses, that my image is only a few sketches in a stack of papers? Some unknown girl in your paintings hanging on the walls of a last museum. I was young, is what I'm trying to tell you, though you knew. I hadn't known anything about sex before. I had been confined to my mother's house for almost all of my adolescence. Boys only existed in the vision fields. But when my mother's hospital bills got to be too much and I needed to quit school and get a job, I found you so easily. I never thought you'd hire me. How many girls did you interview first? What was it you liked and wanted in me? I'll never get to ask you these questions, but they're always in my mind, hovering between thoughts about what I'm going to eat, or when I'll finish a term paper, or whether I'll attend a gallery show. When a man tries to touch me to smile and show an interest, I always appear rude thoughtless, arrogant. What I can't explain to him is that I'm only for you. I don't know how to be anybody else's. I'm sure none of your girls do. I was the one to be the first human in your installation. It was my idea, remember? A fairy, I suggested. Or a wood gnome. Anything you wanted. I dance and twirl mechanically, flitter out of people's grass when they walked on the painted trails. Nude, I told you. I don't know if that would be possible, you said back to me, your tongue between my bare breasts. They might call it pornography, shut me down. The government had grown wary of art, had made it difficult for you to even find a place to build your installations. They were causing mayhem, an official told you. They were making people see what they could no longer have. But the next day, you said you wanted to try. You'd paint my body to blend into the bushes. I could be a ghost, barely visible, gone before someone fully turned his or her head. Viewers wouldn't know if they really saw me or not. And it would give me an ethereal quality to the art. Something that had been missing. Your voice was booming the joy on your face palpable. But you told me I couldn't stay over anymore. I had to go home. My presence was too much of a distraction. You had to work. What you didn't know was that I hid in the hallway, wondering if I'd hear another woman's footsteps approach. Eventually, late into the evening, I did. She wore a long burgundy jacket, black high heels of a quality I could never afford. You opened the door to her. I heard muffled laughter, saw her lower the jacket so you could see her bare breasts. You leaned to her nipple and sucked like a lion, hungry like a baby. My heart broke. First, my mother's death, and now you. If I had friends, they'd probably have said I should forget about you, find a new job, tell you I couldn't do Otherworld. But that's not what I decided. I was so lonely, so restless, so needy for you. I'd take you any way I could get you, even if I had to share. You knew this, I'm sure of it now. It's why you picked me. It's probably part of the magic you said I had. My inability to distance myself from you, my innocence, my loyalty, whatever you want to call it. I was yours, but you weren't mine. Strangely, I kind of liked it that way. It made you more alluring. I had my mother's body converted to ash. There was no space in the ground to bury people anymore unless you had an excess of money. I stood in the crematorium and they let me watch as her body burned. I wanted to see. I wanted to remember something I had heard once when I was a child, when I had been drawn for a long time to religion. We come from ash, and to ash we return. It was like the schoolgirl's rhyme, ashes, ashes, we all fall down. For some reason, those messages comforted me. All would eventually pass, so it didn't make sense to to take myself so seriously, to think I was important. If my mother's body, my mother's presence, and all the history it held could be some become so grainy and small, my pain could too. I wanted to trust you. I wanted to call you my darling. I wanted you to be only mine. But all you wanted was to compose me and fuck me. Even you were surprised by how much money we raised to build Otherworld. You had thought you were at the end of your career. You insisted the government was going to lock you up, close you down. The last museum had shut its doors in early November, though a few sculptures still haunted the central floor. Otherworld was set to surface there the following July in an old abandoned wing where paintings used to hang. We practiced my part. You painted my body, dark blue with threads of gold. You took your paintbrush and tickled my shoulders and arms and back with liquid. And you put on music in the studio and asked me to dance. I hadn't danced since I was a girl, holding my mother's hand in our living room, listening to records. Otis Redding was her favorite. That's how strong my love is, darling. That's how strong my love is. That's when I missed her most my body hurt to have lost her i put my sadness into my dance i turned my hips and raised my arms and tried to lure you an ancient goddess capturing the hero for a few minutes you danced along taking my hands and twirling me it was like we entered a vacuum in space a different time a vortex where it was only me and you in the sun, in the gold, by the real water. If that was how people felt in your installation, I thought that maybe God had put me on the earth so I could dance for you, for the people in my painted forest fairy costume. Back and forth, back and forth. Shuffle forward, shuffle back. Spin, spin. Then I opened my eyes, and we were back to the room again, and I felt sad. I showered the paint off in your bathroom, and I went home. When the day for Otherworld's release arrived, the line reached out of the museum's wing all the way onto the next city block. Dozens of articles had appeared announcing the oncoming installation, all over the vision fields, people were talking. I had purposely kept the vision field silent in my house, refusing to log in but instead to read a book for a quiet hour at the end of my day. We were so busy getting Otherworld together, and I was tired. I read my mother's copy of Little Red Riding Hood, thinking you were like the big bad wolf, wanting me. I read Cinderella, wondering what parts of myself I would cut off for you, to have you inside me again. I was nervous about disappointing you, about not being the fairy you envisioned and wanted. When I told you this part, you said you didn't worry at all. I was perfect in every way. I held those words like an amulet, repeating them over and over in my mind. I suspected no one else in my life would ever say that to me. And I was right, since you left, no one has. I got to the installation early in the morning, even though it didn't open until just after lunch. You had high level donors come first and walk through to get a special tour. I stood in the preparation room and stripped off my clothes, all except my pale underwear, not caring about the mechanics who walked through the chill moving from their quick breaths and movements. I was past fear of showing my body. I wanted to be seen. I raised my arms high, and you dipped the paint in the can, covering one leg first, then the other, first in deep blues and purples that swirled together, then with strips of gold. You covered my underwear, the nipples of my breasts, then reached for a smaller paintbrush to cover my face. The only thing that would be left untouched was my hair, amber blonde, flowing out from my head, the one sign that I might be partly human. I watched you as you worked and wanted to kiss you. I would have done anything. I would have given my body in any way you wanted it. But the installation was your baby. Your entire life seemed focused on having the exhibit go off as planned, not on me at all. Someone on the set rang a bell, and we knew it was time to begin. There would be no music in the installation, just the sounds of nature, the rushing of ocean waves in the sea room, crickets and birds chirping in forest haven. I would have to listen and dance to the music in my head. I hid behind trees. Couples holding hands pointed out tiny details you had included to impress people like the ivy growing on tree barks or the crunch of pebbles on the ground through the walkway. I began to let Otis Redding sing in my ear, and I swayed my hips as I peeked behind one tree, then skipped to another and another. It wasn't until I had done it a few times that I heard the gasps. Was it fear or delight from the voyeurs? I laughed. I couldn't help it, and there was more reaction from the group. When I tired, I rested behind one of the trees in the back, letting the foam soil on the ground roll between my toes. I spent all day darting among trees, laughing melodically, dancing and turning, feeling cleansed, feeling whole under the stares of others. I felt I had never before been seen like that. It was the way I had been seen by you, only better, because there were more eyes a bigger gaze, a greater perception of who I was. I learned a lesson, being the muse in your installation. I only existed for others to see. When the government shut you down two months later, they hardly gave any notice. It was an afternoon we were both in the office. A man came to the door with a letter. There were police behind him. If you didn't shut down Otherworld, which they had termed obscene, you would be arrested. You stood at the door for a while, your eyes getting glassy, and I stood next to you, thanking them and guiding you away. We sat on the red couch you'd led me to that first day I met you. I wanted you to cry on my shoulder, but you seemed in shock, frozen. What are you going to do, I asked knowing it was likely my body, my cackle, the dancing, just my presence in the exhibit that was the root of your despair. You just shook your head. I'm sorry, I said. You looked at me then, a wisdom in your eyes, a kindness, even a tenderness. But without lust, I missed the lust. I had hoped it would come back after that week we spent together, but it never had. I assumed that once I became a piece of art, I was an object for you, something you made, something already figured out. They would have found a way to shut this down no matter what, you said. One of the longest sentences I'd heard from you in a while. On the way home that night, I stopped at a bar, ordered a glass of wine, trying to feel grown up. I would be losing my job, that much I knew. My future was up in the air. On the vision field behind the bartender, a man and a woman talked about your art, talked about the papers that had been delivered to your house that day. Nothing was too personal anymore. I noted, nothing could be understood and dealt with in private, even when a person wanted it to be. Except in the darkness of other worlds' forest, I realized where I had been painted, where I had been covered up, where I was most buried. I also felt the most free. You were not at the studio when I opened the door the next day. I entered your living area and saw that small things were missing. Your coffee mug, a few stray clothes that you always had draped over a chair. In the bathroom, your toothbrush gone. The paints were absent, the charcoal, the drawing paper you'd always use to sketch models. On the small table where you usually left your breakfast dishes, I saw a note scribbled hastily. Let them take it, it said. I did everything I set out to do. I knew then that it was all over. The other world exhibit, your career, my job. Anytime you tried to do art in the future, you'd get papers, warnings, notes. Maybe you'd change your name, dye your hair, work in a different country from now on. I only wish that I'd known it all the last time I'd seen you, so I could have told you how I felt. Maybe you would have taken me with you. I could have brought you to my house, even though the loan collectors were calling. I loved that you had defied the government. I wanted to help you. But perhaps the way the artist worked now was as a shapeshifter, as a renegade. In the new world, a true artist could not have a peaceful life. What saved me from anyone knocking on my door was that no one had seen my face. No one would ever recognize my body, covered daily in clothes. I was a walking daydream. I wanted a note from you, something addressed to me. But When the reporters came to the studio, I simply showed them what you wrote. I knew that was what you wanted. I went home that night and looked at you on the vision fields, reading everything I could find. I went to sleep with my fingers between my legs. It wasn't long after you left that I enrolled in college, the only option I had. The loans I took out would keep the creditors away and help me to keep my mother's house. I worked in a small cafe, making coffee drinks for professors and students, the kind of people who remembered your work. I decided I would study, I would read, I would wait to hear from you. Some day, maybe I'd find you myself. I didn't know how to get a message to you, but I thought of you every night before bed and every morning when I woke up, my dreams hazy always with your image. And one day, with whatever I'd inherited of my mother's talent, with my memory of my fairy-dancing self, I would become an artist, just like you.